Damaged Goods Podcast. Uh, do you know any of the songs? Name name one of their songs, man. The hardcore fans will say, and the person doesn't know. But you got the shirt. The artist shirt. The music merchandise. The merch, as it's uh, referred to in the biz or... Uh, for anybody not in the biz but that's what we talk about here on damage goods this week j the s talk about music merch merchandise popular and infamous uh, logos in particular and certain artists with with big merch uh ensembles big merch presences presences and this is a part one of two because there's a lot so i'll do a number two so if i don't mention or talk about your favorite uh artist maybe they don't have a huge merch game or maybe I was unaware. Or maybe it'll be in part two. Or maybe there's tough shit. Tough shit. But uh, sorry, I'm a little parched. I'm on two coffees and four and a half hours of sleep with a bunch of water. But we're talking about music merch. And uh, on the podcast, I've had a few guests who have been uh, merch guys on tour. Which means instead of being a roadie, like a guitar tech, drum tech, sound guy, they're the dude who slangs the merch of your favorite artists. They help bring the artists in the red or in the black, whatever, they help make profit because it costs a lot of money for people to go on tour. The crew, the equipment, the hotels, the, the tour buses, all that comes out of their pocket. So yeah, they get paid for the show, but it, that shit may just, may just be covering their expenses, maybe not. But if they got some good merch, loyal fans, that's what brings them in the red or the black, I don't know. Because merch is expensive at a show. You might get that shit online, whatever. At that at that concert that you're going to, that shit is, is marked up. Just like the beers, just like the fucking snacks. And uh, the venues, sometimes, depending on the deal, they'll get a cut of it, whatever. But a lot of it goes back to the fucking, to the artist. And when you produce clothes, t-shirts, hats, whatever, in bulk, the overhead goes way down. If you yourself, you make 100 uh, shirts for your band, yeah, cost of the shirts, whatever. You make, uh, you know, say you sell them for 20 bucks. They cost you eight. You made 12. But if you're printing up 10,000, that eight goes down to shit. I don't even know. I'm not going to guess, but four, three, two, whatever. But you're still selling them for 20, or maybe you sell them for 30, or they're limited edition. You make certain runs just for this tour or whatever, this area. And, uh, People, people eat that shit up if they like the artist or if they just like the shirt, just the logo. They don't even know the fucking band. They don't even know the songs. They weren't even there, man. But I've had a few merch dudes on the on the uh, podcast before talking about uh, their side of things, a little different than the the guitar tech, the road, the pyro guy, the sound guy, the tour manager, or the artist himself, the guitar player, the singer, the DJ, the what have yous. But the merch is a big thing. People like to rep the the artists they like shows other people who you listen to. Some people like to, you know, rock a little more obscure shit or, or tasteful classic shit to show others, you know, look, this is where I'm at. This is how tasteful I am as a, as a fan. And then some people will just rock whatever, the, the average shit. Some people have no idea who the band is. They got that shit at fucking, I don't know, Spencer Gifts or uh, uh, the, the Car Wash or whatever. But uh, but some people are very loyal. They buy a gazillion shirts of of every artist they love. Every concert they go to, they gotta get a shirt there. The new shit, you know. Bands will always have the, the staples, the logo, 
that represents them, but they'll press new shit up every album, every tour to get those fans who are going to buy that new shit. Even if it's not the coolest, the best, or, or very memorable, they'll get those those uh, fans that just want the new shit. Or maybe it's a hoodie, an $80 hoodie, or a beanie, or a fucking a flask, a, a weed grinder, a belt buckle. Uh, usually that, that shit might be cheap in production uh, quality, not the best, not built to last. Uh, but the garments might be good, but that markup, that gotcha, because you love that, you love that artist, that band. And some of these logos uh, on this merch is is iconic, legendary. It's been around for decades, transcended generations. You see it, you you know who that is. Even if it doesn't say the artist's name, it doesn't matter. That shit's like the bat signal, you know what I mean? You, you see it, you're like, oh shit. So that's what we talk about uh, this episode, and there'll be the part two. If there's some artists or bands or logos that you didn't hear that you think should be mentioned that are super iconic and cool, hit me up. If it's some small, obscure indie artist that I don't know or you don't really know other than your friend telling you or it's your boy's band or whatever, don't hit me up because we're talking about the, the big shit, the bigger shit. Not to say I like all these artists or don't. Uh, that's not what it's about. We're just talking about iconic shit, shit that's memorable. And why is it? Why Why do these artists have this logo, this merch that just is fucking noticeable, recognizable? There's artists that are huge, huge millionaires, multimillionaires, maybe more than that, Grammy winners, platinum selling records. They don't have memorable logos, memorable merch. It's not iconic. Uh, shit, I'm trying to think of some artists who might, uh, shit, Eminem, right? God knows how many gazillion records he's sold, Grammys he's won, whatever. You don't have a very memorable, recognizable logo. You don't see heads rocking his shit. Fucking, I don't know. Taylor Swift, right? She's a goddamn billionaire now. And I'm sure she sells a lot of merch at her shows and what have you because she's got crazy-ass fans. But what's her logo look like? Could you see that shit in a fucking snowstorm? Is it like the bat signal? Will it be popular in uh, 10 years to people who never listen to her just because it looks cool? Then you got artists uh, that maybe they weren't the hugest selling artists. Maybe they didn't win a bunch of Grammys, but their fucking logo, their image, their merch was so dope. That shit made them a gang of, of money, a grip of paper. Like the Misfits. We'll talk about them in a, in a few. And they're great. No, I, I love the fucking Misfits. They're great. Legendary. They ain't win no Grammys, no platinum records. Their fucking logo was so goddamn iconic. It's transcended decades. Heads who have no idea who the fuck they are, Rocket. People make parody-like logos off of it, you know what I mean? Their own spin on that shit. Because it's so fucking dope. And there's a lot of that shit. So that's what we're talking about today. And uh, different genres, you know, have artists that kind of have very powerful logos. And popular genres, pop music, if you will. These are artists that fucking sell a lot of merch, I'm sure, because they sell out arenas and they have crazy fans, like K-pop, right? K-pop, they're making mad merch money. It's a very popular genre. The fan base, what age group? We're talking teenagers, huge consumers. They're going crazy at the shows, selling out arenas. These fans are going nuts. It's like Michael Jackson fucking having people faint, although I don't know if they're fainting. But they sell a lot of uh, merch and they're making money. I don't know if it's because the merch is that cool or the people are just that crazed over these artists and they're in a like a like a stupor, like a hypnosis. They're so fucking crazed out, psyched to see them 
they cop the merch too. They're like, ah, you know, I mean, shit, they would cop their used undergarments, I'm sure, if they could. But what do the logos look like? I couldn't spot that shit. Maybe I'm out of touch. Who the fuck knows, Snake Man, you old man. But uh, is it just because that shit's popular now? Will it have a long legacy? Will that merch last after these people retire or they don't release new shit? They just tore off old shit. So we're going to talk about a few. And uh, the first one is is an artist or a group I fucking love. And a lot of people love. And their logo has uh, not only repped them very well, served them well, but it's been taken and used. Other people kind of make you know, parody riffs on it for their own benefit. And you, you could say it's like a bat signal. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang Clan. Fucking the W, dude. It's, it's fucking... It is like the bat signal. A lot of heads like to spin off that shit. People who, you know, maybe maybe they listen to Wu back in the day. Maybe they know a little bit about it. But it's cool now because they're at the age group like me that when Wu was big, maybe they knew about it. But it's cool now to to to, to rock that hoodie or that, that crew neck. You know, you can have Wu-Tang Wednesdays at the, the hipster restaurant bar, whatever. It's a cool thing for people who might not have fucked with it. When I was in middle school and Wu was first coming out, it was so ill. And I knew girls that were actually listening to Wu-Tang, girls were rocking Wu-Wear hoodies. Uh, you know, uh, dudes were rocking that shit. Their shit was so ill, not only was the logo on the shirts and whatever popular, they had their own clothing line, Wu-Wear, which, you know, didn't always represent the logo prominently, but you know, it had its fashion. It was big, it sold. I never rocked Wu-Wear like that, but no, Wu-Tang shirt or hoodie, whatever, that shit was dope. And a lot of people fucking rocked the shit out of that shit. Yeah, maybe it died down a little in the you know the early aughts, if you will. Um, but because Wu-Tang is, is a legacy group, a legacy artists, if you will, it's it's had a reemergence of popularity, especially because Wu-Tang is just the fucking shit. So that logo is, is some shit that's going to be around 10, 20, whatever years from now. Yeah. And it's already been fucking, what, 30 years. And the, that Wu-Tang logo was designed by Wu Affiliate Mathematics, who also like DJ to produce a lot of shit for the Wu. So it's not some outsider that had a contract. Nothing wrong with that, but I think it's a little more special, a little more unique when it's coming from within the group. You know, sometimes a certain, you know, the lead singer or a fucking member of the group designs it or has the idea. So to have a, a dude who DJ and produces for you design that shit, it's pretty ill. And uh, he, he, you know, uh, mathematics was in the, you know, graffiti and, and graphic design, if you will, art. So it wasn't like he was forcing it. And, uh, they tried, he had tried, I guess I would say, a few different drafts of the logo. And RZA, you know, kind of making the, the shots at that time, calling everything. There was a few drafts, but nothing was really hitting, right? So RZA called Mathematics and he said, look, I need this fucking logo the next day for a, for a meeting. Because they were really, you know, about to set it on fire business-wise. Wu-Tang was very um, trailblazing in the, in the business realm aside from the music realm. But you got to have your shit in order. You got meetings. You, you're trying to, you know, really put your shit on the map. And you're not huge yet, but you're about to be. You got to have your shit. You got to have a logo. You got to have everything. Even if your logo sucks, you got a podcast. You got a fucking whatever. You got to get a logo. And you scramble trying to find that dope one that catches. But sometimes you don't have it yet. But you got to have some shit, right? So 
yo, I need that fucking, I need that logo tomorrow for a meeting. We've had a few, but nothing's really hitting. So mathematics draws up what would become the very popular iconic image we all know today, the W. And uh, because it was so ill and he was talented enough, they were able to kind of you know, make renditions of the logo to tailor specifically to other members of the group like Jizza, Method Man, uh, Inspected Deck, and You God were all able to kind of take the shape of the W and the font of it and flip it to represent their shit. Now, not everybody was able to get that. It just, you know, shit, what's your name? What's the first letter? It doesn't always work out that way, but for four out of that crew to, to get a little special rendition, that's pretty dope. And uh, yeah, we love that shit. And even if you know, even if you don't really know the the woo or the catalog, if you got the fucking the hoodie, the shirt, go grab the fucking, go grab the records or Spotify for Christ's sake. Fucking YouTube is free. Listen to that shit. It's great. Go to one of those hipster restaurants and go to a, a Wu Tang Wednesday night. Fucking go to Vegas. They just got a residency. Uh, they're legends because the the shit is. It's classic material, dude. They're like classic rock artists. They don't even have to put out new shit. They could tour off the old shit and still sell shit out, kill shit. And the logo's fucking fire. It's like the bad signal. All right, next. Switching, switching up, going rock and roll. A little a little older, a little more classic of, of uh, artists that, that have been around for a grip with what, maybe one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic uh, logos, at least in rock and roll. Fucking Rolling fucking Stones, dude. The Rolling Stones. My parents is maybe their favorite band together. They both have artists that they like the best, uh, you know, personally. But I feel like together they both love the Stones. Saw them a grip of times. I would always see the fucking tongue t-shirts and shit. They would bring back and all that shit. The tongue, dude. The big red tongue. You don't need to see the word Rolling or Stones. You see the tongue, you know what time it is. Maybe the most famous all of rock. So they're around for a little while. They got some shit out. They're, they're cracking the pop. They're garnering attention. But they don't have that logo yet. Early 1970, um, there was the Royal College of Art in London. It's an art school. Yeah, art school. The Rolling Stones hit up their head office. Because you got to find a designer, right? Sometimes you know somebody. Sometimes there's a famous artist that you're like, yo, this guy's dope. I like your style. Could you please design something? Sometimes it's a member of the group that does it. These guys hit up an art school because what's in the art school? Mad artists. There's got to be somebody there that can deliver, right? That's what they're thinking. They're looking for somebody to create a poster, not a, not a logo that's going to be around forever per se, not, not the, the legendary merch image, but just a poster for their 1970 European tour. The art school recommends uh, an artist there. I'm going to butcher the fucking enunciation of the name Pache, Posh, P-A-S-C-H-E. I don't know what kind of name that is, so apologies. They say, yo, we got this guy, this student. He's great. He's uh, a master of arts student in his final year. So he's been there for a while. He's shown and proved he's good. Maybe they picked him because he was actually graduating, getting good grades. So Posh, Pache, whatever. He meets Mick Jagger, lead, lead singer, front man, to discuss ideas for the poster. And he comes back a week later with whatever he had. And uh, Mick Jagger wasn't feeling it. This happens. I've had a lot of logos designed. It's not always the first one that you like. Whether it was a J the S one, Greater Good, Damaged Goods. Although, no, I will say the Greater Good logo, my man Prof Bundy designed. The first version of that was fucking sick. I got, had a goddamn chain made out of it. 
But a lot of times you need a few renditions. Yeah, I like this, but you know, how about we tweak that or whatever. You know, an artist will have an idea what they want, but they might not see it come to fruition because uh, maybe you can't articulate it to the the artist or the designer. So so Jagger's like, nah, not feeling it, not into it, not satisfied. Right? Can't get no fucking satisfaction. It's not just a goddamn song. He wasn't he wasn't feeling it. He wanted some image that could work on its own, which means you don't have to say Rolling Stones tour album. He wanted a bat signal. He wanted something like the, the Woo W, although this is fucking 20-something years before. He wanted something that when you see it, you know that's the Rolling Stones, that, would, that you would wear the shit even if it didn't say the band's name, right? A logo that doesn't have to have lettering and wording all over it. It just looks cool no matter what that people who don't listen to the fucking band or know the shit would wear because it looks cool. He wanted, yeah, he, he actually used a reference, the Shell Petroleum logo, which is a weird reference, like fuck, fuck Shell, but whatever. But he wanted something simple, nothing too complicated, something that would just, boom, I see it through the snowstorm. I see the bat signal in the fucking sky. I'm going to say bat signal a lot, get used to it, right? So uh, they're, meeting, they're talking, he shows them... Uh, Jagger shows Pache an illustration of the this Hindu deity Kali or Kali. Right. A lot of a lot of rock dudes were into Hinduism and Hare Krishna shit and Buddhism in the sixties and seventies. I don't know if Jagger or the Stones were, but either way, he shows him this Hindu deity Kali. And uh, Jagger had just seen this in a, some store, some shop, and he asked if he could uh, borrow this this picture of the the image. The store owner probably doesn't think shit about it. He's like, yeah, fine. Here you go. Fuck it. Whatever. So Pache takes it and he, he's freaking it. It's obviously got the big fucking tongue. It probably has a head, a face, other things, but they just want the tongue, right? Simplicity. Let's not complicate it. Let's let that shit fucking shine. Stand the fuck out. So it's uh, April 1971. This is the first time the people, the public will see this image this logo instead of getting used for the the tour it was meant for because it took too long to be made it, it ends up on the uh, the back cover of of a record and on the label uh, and most importantly the insert because you know if you ever had cds or, or records or i guess cassettes you flip open the shit you're looking at the credits the shout outs whatever the insert heads would look at that shit they cared about it now you got streaming shit. You never even look at the goddamn cover. So this this image is on the back as well as the inside. So it's it's, it's getting repeated, burning your brain. And it goes on to be their shit forever. And there's a million renditions of it, but the tongue is always the same. The big red tongue. You see that shit? It's the goddamn Rolling Stones. I saw it, uh, their alleged uh, retirement tour, which was fake. A lot of bands will do that in uh, 2000. Nine, ten, in uh, New Jersey. Me and my girl went. It was an incredible show. They brought out fucking Bruce Springsteen, Black Keys, Lady Gaga, Gary Clark Jr., all these cats just for individual songs. And uh, you know, my father was like, oh, you got to go, because he'd seen them at Grippa Times the last time they're going to perform, although that was a lie. So I bought a, a tour T-shirt, uh, which I have. It has the big tongue on it, and my parents have a gang of those, too, different ones. But it's very iconic, maybe the most iconic in all of rock. So next, Misfits, like I said before, right? We, we touched on the Misfits, legendary fucking New Jersey band. Are they hardcore? Are they punk? Are they fucking horrorcore rock? Are they just fucking dope? Glenn Danzig, maybe you know Solo Danzig, Mother? Well, this was uh, his band with Jerry Only. He was the front man, the singer. Decades before he got 
knocked out by a security guard. If you haven't seen that, the internet's incredible. Go to YouTube. Go to YouTube. Uh, there's a car wash by me that I go to. And you go to pay. They have you know, snacks, whatever, little massage chairs, a couple T-shirts of different shit. They sell Misfits T-shirts in there. This is not a fucking record store. It's a goddamn car wash. I don't know if these are legit Misfits T-shirts that the band licenses. Are they bootlegged? Because a lot of music shirts get bootlegged. If you go to concerts outside the venue, you'll see dudes selling bootleg shirts. They will look a little bit like the actual shirts they sell, but there'll be little differences. It won't be the same brand that produces them. There'll be a little variation. Shit's a little off. And then you will also see dudes coming to bust up the fucking bootleggers. Like when I'd be on tour, um, our merch guys would have dudes in different cities that would go and bust up the fucking bootleggers out there. Because they'll sell this shit at a way cheaper price. Fans don't always know it's not the real shit. They might think, oh, they're selling shirts outside. But they're cheaper because they're not real. The band's not selling them. The dudes want to make quick bread. It's illegal, so they're quick as fuck with it. Here, you'll cop these or whatever. And it's not the same quality. There's a little something off with the logo. It's not symmetrical, whatever. So is this Misfits shirt, they sell it at the car wash, is it real? I don't fucking know, but they're selling them there. That says a lot about a band that has no Grammys, no MTV shit, no commercial radio, fucking no platinum records, but they're iconic. They've been around forever. They'll still tour, and their fucking logo is is legendary. Heads who don't know their shit rock it. They make spinoff versions of the logo for other brands and companies. And where does it where does it come from? Well, the logo is a it's a tribute to a, a old ass movie from 1930. Glenn Danzig was a fan of flicks from back then. It's called The Crimson Ghost. Very old, probably a black and white, maybe silent film. I don't know. Uh. He wanted, he wanted whatever the image of the logo was to, to cut through, really resonate with the audience, and kind of serve as, as a mask for the band. Kind of make them avoid having to push their personality identities up there and have this image represent the band. So when you see it, that's what you think of. And it, it's, you know, it's like a skull face, white skull face on black. Silhouette style, very simple. Kind of uh, rough around the edges. And it, it, it does, I feel like it does represent them very well. Maybe just because that's how long they've been around and you associate it with them. I don't know. It, the, the film was shocking at the time for, for America or wherever it was released. And he kind of wanted that to come through for their shit. And it represented mysticism and murder, which he dug. So uh, he, he chose that shit in the late 70s. And the, the odd thing is, technically... Technically, the band doesn't even own the rights to the image, and I don't know why they never really tried to acquire it, but the uh, film company who does or did own it, they never tried to pursue legal action for the band to get money off it, which is weird because it makes a lot of money, dude. That's a huge logo. They sell a lot of merch, and uh, they never went after them. I don't know. Maybe they just thought it was cool. Maybe they're lazy. Uh, maybe they have no idea who the misfits are. I don't know. Weird. Uh, Slayer is a incredible fucking legendary metal band who I had the pleasure of working for for many years. And their logo is pretty memorable, but the thing about their merch, it's not just their logo in the bat signal iconic manner that's popular. Their merch is huge. There's the, the faux pas. You don't wear the shirt of the band or the artist 
you're going to see at the concert, right? That's kind of the thing. And nobody really does that. Go to a motherfucking Slayer show. I've never seen any artist have fans at their show rocking faithfully, heavily their merch. Slayer fans rock the shit out of Slayer shit at the Slayer show as well as buy it. And they have their staple shit. And then when they, you know, every tour run or every other, they, they have a gazillion different variations of the shirts, uh, hoodies, hats, all that shit. But like, not just like, you know, three, four, five, like, like 10. And these motherfuckers eat it up. They love the band so much. They're copping as much as they can. And they're rocking it at the fucking shows. Slayer would make so much money uh, off merch on tour, aside from whatever they were getting paid, you know. And my my man Rich was the merch guy, and other dudes too did merch for them. And they, you know, they had their hands full. They had to really bust the ass. And the uh, the merch companies who were producing it, the the band was very hands on about. Okay, we like this design. This is cool. Let's do a couple limited runs. We'll do some posters. And make those limited, and and fans just fucking loved it, dude. They were, you know, they would try to buy the crew shirts off us. If you're a roadie for any artist, any band, they'll produce merchandise that's really just for the crew, right? Slayer, I mean, shit, we got these sick ass Slayer Christmas uh, sweaters, which are fucking fire. I love them. A little itchy, but whatever. And then, you know, you get like certain shirts or hats or jackets. And this is for all artists that are just for the crew. You can't buy them anywhere. It might say crew on them. Fans would try to literally buy the shirt off your back, offer you a, a grip of dough, just trying to get that shit because they want the fucking, um, they want that shit. You know, it's special. It's, it's rare. And they just love the shit. Slayer fans are loyal as fuck. And they, they they want that merch. So Slayer would, you know, just cake up heavy their last tour, the final tour. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to misquote. Maybe I shouldn't say numbers here because I don't want to misquote or misrepresent. But dude, they, the shit that puts them in the red or the black, I still have no idea what it is. They were fucking doing quite well. Didn't matter what they were getting fucking paid for the show. Dude, they were killing it on merch. And they would have a lot of shit. You think, okay, that's that's too much product. What about, what happens, we have dead stock. Nobody buys this shit. Nah, we got, you know, 10, 12 different shirts. We got girl shirts, tank tops, fucking hoodies, crew necks, beanies, baseball caps, weed grinders, fucking belt buckles, fucking all this shit, posters. It was all getting purchased. Next up, still in a rock and roll realm, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, it's really, I don't know if you would say it's their logo, but their album, Dark Side of the Moon, which is, they you know, had a few albums before that. That was their big breakthrough album, very classic album, very iconic album. The the logo, the cover of that kind of got adopted as their logo. Well, you see that cover on a lot of shirts. Even if it doesn't say Dark Side of the Moon, it'll say Pink Floyd and have that. Um, and it's very fucking popular. You see it all the time. The funny thing is, and Pink Floyd, they still tour, even though they're split up. You know, Roger Waters does his thing. The rest of the guys do theirs. A few years ago, they caught some flack from it. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this. If you listen and go go Google the fucking Dark Side of the Moon cover, the Pink Floyd image on that. People were mad, some quote-unquote fans, or maybe not fans apparently, that they were trying to go woke to garner new fans. Now, why would people think they're trying to go woke? Well, uh, they weren't trying to go woke. These fans, if you will, or these people... Uh, just kind of fucking idiots. Or maybe they're new fans or they have no fucking idea. They were mistaking the logo for an LGBTQT flag image. 
if you if you see the the album cover, the logo, uh, I get how someone might interpret it as that because it kind of has a it's like a prism triangle that has multi colors in it. Kind of looks like the uh, the the flag, the gay pride flag, or I guess it's the LGBTQT flag now. But these people are not the sharpest fucking tools in the shed, not the brightest bulbs on the tree, because that image, that logo, was on the album that dropped in uh, 73, dude, 1973. And uh, the uh, the rainbow flag that was initially representing gay pride was created in 78. And these fans were like, because, you know, maybe they're just seeing the flag a lot more these days. and like, oh, my God, Pink Floyd's trying to go woke. And I get it, because Roger Waters is very politically sound and socially vocal but uh he's he's a righteous dude but nah that's that's the fucking the logo the image they had it's not a flag it's a it's a triangle prism with a circle and some shit kind of going through it it's a psychedelic album dude so yeah they were way off on that one way off rock and roll again yes we're, we're heavy in the rock shit okay sorry nirvana the smiley face logo the smiley face logo of theirs uh, it appeared on their second album, Nevermind, which is the big smash, the big breakthrough album. And some people, I guess it's uh, it's disputed where it came from. It's not not clear. Some people thought it was uh, kind of a, a ode or a riff on this this Seattle strip club that was called the Lusty Lady, which sounds like a terrible strip club. Sounds like a dusty old oldish, you know, white women dancing a shitty rock truckers stopping there doesn't sound like the best place so it looked a little like the smiley face some people thought it came from um sub pop which is the label they were on initially and a lot of other seattle bands were on they had a art director this woman lisa uh, orth uh she she had paid i guess some some designer dude to create some promo materials for nirvana I guess he used a certain font that became their font, but it wasn't necessarily the smiley face logo. So some people think maybe it came from that. Some fans say it was Kurt Cobain did it. Maybe they just love Cobain. They love Nirvana. They said he drew it in 91, uh, right before the release of the album. And the label just used it because it was simple, easy, it made sense, and they needed some shit. It's a very simple logo, kind of like the Stones fucking tongue. Very easy, very simple. You'll see a lot of Nirvana shirts. It says Nirvana. With the, the smiley face shit, the idea behind w- why they used that logo, if Cobain did make it, was that if you listen to Nirvana, you'll you'll get in a state of Nirvana, man. You'll feel it, you know. Uh, and the X's on the eyes, the smiley face is not your typical one. The eyes are X's instead of little dots. And the, the mouth is not just a happy face when it kind of curls or swirls or whatever. Uh, you'll you'll be also happy that your eyes will turn to X's and your tongue, your mouth will move around funny, which actually does not. I don't know. It looks like they're you're you're faded or you're fucked up or whatever. But anyway, that's a, a very popular one. The last band I'm going to talk about, we'll go into more next episode, the part two. They're a band that I'm not a huge fan of. Not very familiar with their their catalog, but they're huge and. Their shit's everywhere. The Grateful Dead. Like a jam band from the 60s that's been around forever. And they have fans that are old from the 60s. They have young fans who are fucking all about it. Trustafarians. I went to school with these kids. They 
very rich, whatever, well-to-do kids with Patagonia fleeces, fucking Birkenstocks and backpacks with the fucking Grateful Dead patches sewn on in their college hats or whatever. Dead patches everywhere. And then you have the, the very heavy festy kids, the festival kids. They like fishing, the Grateful Dead. They take a bunch of acid and they go to the concerts. It's like a four-hour sound check. Or they sell fucking uh, nitrous shit right out the goddamn tanks there. And they love the fucking patches and the logos, man. And uh, before I cut the episode off, and like I said, we'll continue the Grateful Dead shit in uh, part two. The patch kids. I'll tell you a little tale about the patch kids. Because the Grateful Dead logo was a lot of patches sewn on the backpacks or whatever. And back in the day, you go to like record stores, um, not not really like the hip-hop record stores like Biscuit Head or Fat Beats, but your average record stores or whatever, they'd have like stickers and patches right there. You could buy Dead Kennedys, fucking Nirvana, uh, the Anarchy Symbol, all that shit, Pink Floyd. There was these kids we would call patch kids. We would see around skate parks and certain places. They weren't skaters. Maybe they had a board or whatever, but... Uh, Harvard Square, you'd see them hanging around Harvard Square, a little like punky dressed, you know, dark Martins, dark clothes, raggedy backpacks with like a gazillion patches or the jackets, a gazillion patches sewed on. Usually those kids didn't have the Grateful Dead ones as much, but you'd see that or like the Trustafarian kids, Grateful Dead, fucking fish patches all over the shit, ripping their hats up, fucking Trustafarian rich ass kids or whatever, lacrosse players. Because the only people that play lacrosse are Native Americans and fucking prep school kids. I went to a prep school for three years. So, yeah, I, I definitely sell a lot of lacrosse. And, uh, no, I don't play lacrosse. Fucking nuts. I was a skater, art student, weed smoker. But uh, the patch kids, that's what we call, right? So we're young, skateboarding, fucking delinquent, juvenile, wild kids. No driver's license yet, but my boy's older brother had one. He skated with us. He's like two years older. And he had an MPV van. It's a Mazda van. Wu-Tang, Mob Deep. They all rapped about it. I talk about it in my uh, first book, Quicksand, which you should grab. Big sliding door, whatever. I don't know why we were dicks to the patch kids. They were never really dicks. They would smoke cigarettes, just stand around, acting too cool. Kind of like the goth kids on South Park. But we were dickhead, juvenile kids. So anyway, uh, we go to a 7-Eleven and we cop a bunch of eggs, a couple cartons of eggs. We drive back by a, it wasn't a skate park, but it was a skate spot. No one's skating, they're just hanging around, smoking fucking squares. We got the cards of eggs, probably like oh, three cards, 36, maybe more. There's like three of us in the backseat of the MPV, my boy's brother's driving. We're dickheads. It's dark, it's nighttime. We drive by, slide that fucking, that door of the MPV van open. Boom, slide that shit open. Whip these goddamn eggs, 36, three cards, just lace the patch kids as we called them, which is a dick move in retrospect because eggs, that shit's sticky, man. That shit's in your hair, in your garments. That shit ain't coming out right away. It's not like a water balloon. You got the shells, and uh, we're, we're dickheads. Dude. We were juvenile. We, we did a lot of egging. And worse, way worse, but egging was dick moves. We egged the patch kids, dude, and they weren't even the Grateful Dead patch kids, although they might have had some just because they just rocked that shit for no reason. And they weren't all fucking like poor begging for change on the street kids like you'd see in Harvard Square. Some of them had homes, houses, two parents, all that shit, but they would adopt that style. Uh, another egging story is uh, late night after skateboarding, same MPV van, same group of fucking delinquent friends of mine, uh, Burger King drive through 7-Eleven first, couple cartons of eggs. Gonna hit some other shit first, but, or later rather, but we go to BK. I don't know why. Not to grab any food because Burger King fucking sucks. Go to the drive-thru. 
it's like 11 or 10 at night, whatever. The window opens. Boom. Through the fucking driver's side window, we all throw mad eggs. Not three cartons worth, but enough. Dickheads. Hit these kids up. They're fucking our age or a little older, working for not much money at all. And we're dickheads. We, we lace them with eggs. Again, hilarious. We think it's great. Karma comes back to bite you in the ass in many ways. We would get in trouble, not for the egg and shit, but for a lot of other shit. Don't be a dickhead and egg people, dude. Just water balloon that shit. Uh, yeah, that's my, my Patch Kids egg story. So we'll finish Grateful Dead and more music march next week. You got any artists and bands that you think should be mentioned that are notable? Hit me up. If it's your fucking cousin's band, your band, some obscure indie artist I don't fucking know, or somebody with shitty fucking logos and merch, don't bother hitting me up. All right? Damage Goods Podcast. If you listen on uh, iTunes, Apple, hit me with a goddamn review. If... Uh, if you do Spotify, whatever, just bang that shit. Quicksand, The Waiting Room, my books available everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, audiobooks, fucking uh, Kindle, all that shit. I narrate the audiobooks. Get the real ones. It's cheap. It's, it's great. You'll love that shit. Third book on the way. Damaged Goods. Thank you very much.